Welcome to Rain Christian Church audio sermons. Thank you for tuning in. May you be blessed. In your hands, put it on your chest. If it's on your cell phone, you put your cell phone to your chest and you repeat after me. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. My Bible is, uh, sorry, my Bible is active and speaks to me. It has feet. It runs after me. It has hands. It lays hold of me. That last portion was written by Martin Luther about 500 years ago. We serve an awesome God. I'm excited to see what the Lord is doing in my life and, and what He's doing in your life. And I'll get excited about next year. There's certain things that I start feeling and stirring in my heart and, and I know that God is busy with something and I'm excited about next year. There was this pastor made an altar call and asked the people to come for healing or for prayer to the front like we know, normally do. So this guy went to the front and said, Pastor, please pray for my hearing. The pastor remembered Jesus prayed for somebody's ears and he put his finger in his ear. So this pastor did the same, put his finger in the person's ears, prayed his heart out. And when he's finished, he looked at the person and asked him, so how's your hearing? And the person looked at him confused. And he says, I don't know. It's next week, Wednesday. <laughs> re-entry, prepare for re-entry. Where is, what happened to my tablet? Oh, no. Thank you, Peter. Sorry about that. Prepare for re-entry. Definition of re-entry according to the dictionary. A situation in which someone returns to something such as a place or activity. So it's a revisiting, a re-entry at a place or activity. A moment when a, when a spacecraft enters the Earth's atmosphere again. And in the third one, retaking possession. Pos possession. Now we are on the brink of a new year. And I don't know if you noticed that it is, uh, we've been there before. It's re-entering a new year again. And uh, if you haven't experienced it yet, you will notice that the sun will rise like usual. And the sun will go down like usual. And then when it rises like usual, we've got a calendar shift. But it's just like the day before. Nothing in what we can see changes at all. On the calendar, on a piece of paper, you will notice that there's a digit that we're going to add. And this year we're moving into 2020, or this year coming, moving into 2020. But I believe that there's a, a huge emotional thing that happens within. It's that break that we have, whew, this one is gone, this one is finished. Or is it just me that feels that way? <laughs> and, then, and then there's a lot of times excitement for the new one coming, and you will see the celebrations, the champagne popping, and the, the fireworks, and, and all that. And with all the excitement and the fireworks, and... And there's a little bit of not being so sure of what the future holds. But if he carried me through 2019 and I'm still here, then I believe he will carry me through 2020. And, and that always gives me hope. See, and, and, and there's something about the re-entry that, that for two weeks is in my heart now. It's that sometimes it is 2020, the reoccurring of a new year. Sometimes it is 
um, what's the word now, um, patterns in our life that we go in. If you notice that there's sometimes patterns. There was a stage in my, my life that every year in August was a very bad month. And, and I had to come, when I noticed that, I called a friend of mine, the two of us sat together and we, we prayed against it and we broke and that pattern is gone. But sometimes we need to recognize the negative patterns in our lives that's reoccurring and, and then enter into those times, re-entering into it prepared and say, this is now gone, this will stop here now. And now I will go in with a new attitude, new hope. And um, it's interesting that when we look at our calendar, the Western calendar, we, we normally have a beginning. Morning, guys. Morning. We have a beginning and we've got an end. And it is, we, we think of time very much linear. And I once read a commentary about a, a rabbi and he said that in, within the Jewish mindset, it is more like a spiral. Not like a circle, but a spiral. He says in the, in the Western mindset, you will walk past a tree and you will think, oh, there's a tree. But in our mindset, we will never pass the tree again. But he says in the Jewish mindset, you will pass the tree more than once. The first time you notice there's a tree, the second time is like, oh, that's a nice tree. The third time is it, but hang on. I pass this tree again. What is in it for me? Why, why am I passing past the by this tree again, and by the fourth time, okay, what is it that God wants to show me? And in that pattern of the spiral, we start learning what God wants to show us and what He wants us to prepare for. So it's a re-entry of the same thought or pattern the whole time. Another one that I've learned is like learning. We've learned certain things, and then we think this is it. I know it now. And then you realize that in, in, within this knowing or learning, the certain facts that I've learned, there's a little twist in it. And there's a, a learning, an unlearning, and a relearning in the process which forms a spiral again. Make it practical. You're not allowed to answer. How did Elijah go to heaven? We all learned with a horse and chariots, isn't that? Fiery horse with chariots? not what the Bible says. That's what Sunday school taught us. <laughs> That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that the fiery chariot brought the vision between Elijah and Elisha, and a whirlwind, a rickwind, took him to heaven. See, there's certain things that we need to unlearn and relearn so that we can get to closer to the truth. And that is a process throughout our Christian lives. So this morning when I talk about re-entry, in my mind I'm talking about 2020. But maybe in your mind it is something different. Maybe, and, and I want you to fill in the blanks for you. Because I believe the principles are the same. Because we need to prepare for what we are entering into. See, if we enter into battle and we're not prepared, we will get in surprise. That's why there's normally a strategy before we enter into battle. Now, what is our strategy, personal strategy, for 2020? Are we going to be caught by surprise? Are we just going to enter into and just like take it as it is? Or are we saying that, you know what, God is in control. He gave me authority over certain things. He gave you authority over certain things. And according to what Jesus did on the cross, I will enter into this year coming with a strategy and, and I will spend time with God and hear from Him what He lays on my heart that I need to prepare for, for this year coming. See, that's a different attitude. Lord, show me what I need to prepare for, for this year. But we're going to look at that. I remember, oh, 
a cup when was it last year. I had in one month three or four families that came to me and said to me, you know what, when I walked into this place, it felt like home. It felt like home. It felt as if I have come home. And I had to make this banner and I put it up outside. I don't know if you noticed. I've come home. This is home. <laughs> this is home. But, but they, that means that there's a re-entry in, back into something that we previously had. A re-entry into. And I believe there are many people like that in Hermanus that needs a home. When, when, when I planted rain, it was specifically for the people that it was fed up with. Because I was at a stage that I was fed up with church. But I loved God. I loved Jesus. He paid the price for me and, and He died for me so that I can be saved. And I believe that there's more people like me. So we, we planted the church. I've got a heart for the lost. I've got a heart for the broken. I've got a heart for those who want to belong to a family where we experience things the same way. We're not going to be the only church in Hermanus because we think so different. We feel so different. We do so different. And there always will be a home for those. But we, I believe that, that we create a home for people that feel different. I mean, where else can you sit with a cup of coffee while you have a service? Or while you praise and worship? Huh? Where else? Yeah, because there's nothing in Scripture that says we shouldn't do it. Have you noticed that God gave us in Scripture the command to say that you need to, to minister or, or take part in the Holy Communion, but He never explained how we should do it? Have you noticed that? He left it for our own personality to fit in with who we are. And I think there's many things like that in Scripture where He never told us how to do it because He knew that this group will do it different to this group. According to their personality and who they are, they want to serve me. Now, I love to study revivals and, and how things happened. And, and it's interesting, Martin Luther, that we quoted this morning, how he stood up against the Catholic Church that said that you could pay for your sins with finances. And he said, no, 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 Romans 8 does not say that. Romans 8 says, by his blood we've been saved by grace. I do not have to pay for this. Money, like physical money, is not an issue. And how he started the reformation against the known church of that time, or basically the only church because they killed everybody that thought differently. Um, yeah. Nothing changed. Um, they, they, and so he stood up and he rose up against the Catholic Church. And, and if you look at the history, he was not the first one. He was the first one that succeeded. The, the message that he came with was not new. It came through all the ages and they killed everyone. And I think it was John Huss, when they killed him, he prophesied while they torched him, and he said, a hundred years from now, somebody will arise, and you will not be able to stop his voice. And Martin Luther was a hundred years after him. And he succeeded. And he changed the, 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 the I want to say, the church world completely. And then it was interesting... That, that's, that's Martin Luther. And then there was many after him, I know. I'm not going to do the whole history lesson. But then there's one guy, Lani Frisbee. Now remember this dude was, 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 he started to become a lawyer. And one night he was caught in a an, in an, in an storm and lightning struck close to him. And he was so afraid that he cried out to God and said, If you spare my life, I will become a minister and I will serve the gospel. Which he did. Parents were not happy with him. He started the transformation, the reformation, but if you study his later works, man, he was a racist of note. He didn't end well. 
guy. Lonnie, Fri- L- Looney, Lonnie Frisbee. Call him Frisbee. He didn't pr- invent the Frisbee though. Frisbee was a hippie. And one day, hear this, one day, and this will rock your church mindset. It's not Christianese. It will definitely shake you. Lonnie, one day with a bunch of hippies, butt naked, sat on a hill on an acid trip. No reference of who Jesus is. No reference of church, no reference of the Bible. And on his acid trip, Jesus came to him and spoke to him. And Lonnie got saved while he was on an acid trip, but naked. He started the greatest revival among the hippies. There's pictures at the back there where they baptized thousands of people on a day, per day. I've, let's call him a friend. I've, I've got a friend that one night went to the beach here Hermanus. He lit his joint and he said to the Lord, I'm going to smoke this joint. And if you are there, if there is a God, I would love to meet you. He, got, he didn't grow up in church. <laughs> he lit his joint and God met with him. Three days later, he was still crying. He was still shaking. His eyes, he sent me a photo, his eyes were still red and he was still filled with tears. And he said to me, Rulof, there's no way <laughs> that this that the joint could last for three days. This is real. What I experienced on the beach was God. The beauty of it today is overseas. He, we spoke two weeks back. What's up calls is amazing. He sent me a message and he says, you know what? I don't even touch the joints anymore. He's in the Netherlands now. I don't even touch joints anymore. I don't even um, uh, drink alcohol only now and then. I'm completely clean of that. You know what? I still serve God. I still pray. And I still make time to spend with Him. Isn't that re-entry? Now, now if, if and Lonnie or, or, or Frisbee was not a perfect guy. Even to the end of his ministry, things started falling apart. He met up a hippie, met up with a clean-cut pastor. This dude saw the potential. Chuck Smith saw the potential in, in, in Frisbee. And he said to him, listen... I've got quite a big congregation. Why don't you bring that large group of hippie friends of yours that got saved and you bring them to our church? Two together with his teaching and Lonnie's heart for, for the lost, they started a huge movement. You know what happened? These unbathed hippies that haven't seen water for months, that was barely dressed and barefoot like people in our church. I've got shoes on today. But bare feet coming to church, filthy, smelling, dirty, started rock up at church in a time where they still wore three-piece suit. That is not the mindset of the church. So after a couple of months, they had an emergency board meeting. <laughs> and the one agenda that was on the, on the paper was that, Pastor, they are ruining our carpets with their dirty feet and bare feet. They say that Chuck Smith got so cross and he slapped the table and he said, then rip out the carpet and he walked out the meeting. That really woke up something in me. Because what is it that we need to rip out in our lives? What is it that we still need to rip out in church? At Rain, I'm not talking about the other churches. It's got nothing to do with me. What is it that we still need to rip out here to be able to speak to those who do not have a home yet? To those who have not re-entered into the kingdom of God yet. What is it that we can do? What is it that you and I can do? And remember, it's not about me. These guys were imperfect. Go and study their lives. You will be shocked that God used them. That means that God can use you 
and He can use me. What is it that we need to rip out so that God can use us to bring in people like us? I wanna, I'm going to do three stories, and it's not going to make sense, but then we're going to break it down. Is that fine? The one is in two kings where Israel was trapped in the desert. They want to attack another country. No water. Now, I was in the army. What do you call the guys with the trucks that normally bring you rations and stuff? Cavalry? No, not cavalry. Anyway, I don't know about you. I was in the, the Panzer armored section. Our cavalry or guys that supposed to brought our stuff always got lost. We always had water and food a day late if you're lucky. So I know what it feels like not to have that. And, and here this guy or these Israelis in the desert, no water. Complaining to the prophet, the prophet speaks to God, the Lord says to them, go to the dry riverbed and dig some holes. Really? Went, they dug some holes, and the Lord said to them, you will not see clouds, you will not see rain. You will not, neither wind nor rain, yet the valley will be filled with water. And you, your cattle, and the other animals will drink. That was the promise. And then what happened was, at some other place it started raining. And the water came down the river. And it filled these holes that they dug. Okay? So that's the one picture. The other one we all know very well. And that is the story, I call it the story of the good father. You can call it the prodigal son. The heading in the Greek was never there. It was something that the translators put in. Story of a good father. This dad that waited for his son to come back. And then when the son eventually decided, after he spent all the money and what, what, he decided to come back, this dad ran to him with was culturally not acceptable, but he just didn't care because... His son came back. He ripped out the carpet that was not supposed to be there. And he ran to his son. He hugged him. He restored him. He said to the servants, put a ring on his finger, restored his identity, clothed him with a cloak, put shoes on his feet. And then he said, bring that fattened calf and let's party. And then the other brother, the, 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 what was it, the older brother, came from, from, from the fields. And the Bible says he heard the music and the dancing. Woo, but we as Christians don't dance. So just, well, music work then. Let's stick to the music and dancing. He heard the music and dancing. And he got jealous. And then the dad went out a second time. The first time to meet the son that went away. The second time he went and he met the son that was with him the whole time. And then he gave him a word that, that really, when I, the first time I caught it, it really shocked me. He said to him, when the, when the son complained about him giving the fattened calf, and I was here the whole time, and you never give me a, a kid and a, a, a goat to, to, to have a party with my friends, and look at him, he did this and this and this and this and this, and look how you treat him. He said to him, son, whatever is mine is yours. He said, this whole farm is yours. And isn't that sometimes how we as a church, 
Oh, look at the carpet, look at the carpet. It's like, so what? Everything in the kingdom is yours. Get excited about those who re-enter. Get excited about those who come back. And that really grabbed my mind when I, know, when I saw that the first time, where he says that everything that is mine is yours. And sometimes we complain so about God. Isn't there a scripture that says you have not because you ask not? We are part of this. So there's one rope that's hanging still, the river. The second rope that's hanging is a prodigal son. Now Jesus entered into a town, having done a miracle of note yet. Him and his disciples were, with his mum, were invited to a wedding. <laughs> and they ran out of grape juice. <laughs> they ran out of wine, people. Check the Greek word, it's wine, it's not grape juice. And then Jesus and mum went to him, where are we now? And says, uh, they ran out of wine, don't you want to make some wine? Now, the King James says it's stronger. It says, the King James says, Woman, what have I to, done? What have I to do with you? The other translation says, Woman, what have I to do with the situation? <laughs> and then he says to her, It's not my time yet. He says that in King James as well. It's not my time yet. But then his mother does not take this as an answer. She went to the servants and says to them, Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Really? like a stubborn mum. It's not yet my time and she went and she told the, f the servants to fill up whatever. And then Jesus went to them and said to them, okay, but the key is, his mother said to the servant, do whatever he tells you to do. Now there were six stone water jars uh, there for the Jewish rite of purification. It's holding two. Now I worked out that, um, where is that? See that word? Can I I wonder if I can point there. That, that word there. The Greek word metretes is that firkins. It's a measure, a liquid measure. Now, according to that, we worked it out to liters. It's um, the 20 liters, about 20 firkins is about 80 liters, and the 30 is about 120 liters. You can work out how many he did if there were six of them. Now, keep in mind, the clue is it was used for cleansing ritual. Do you know what that means? They washed their hands in the water. He never said pour out the water, he said filled it up. Interesting that there's six, which is the number of man, isn't that so? We were created on the sixth day. We are not perfect. Frisbee, Luther, we, I know who I am. We're not perfect. Same water that was still there was there. He says now fill it up. And then the Bible says that the servants went and they filled it up to the brim. And then he says, okay, now take some of this water and let them taste it. And it was the best wine. It was the best wine. Like, why do you serve the best wine last? Normally they do it first. You, you serve it last. They didn't even know that they were drinking washing water. They didn't even know this. They didn't even know. Jesus knew. And there was enough. Good. Three stories. What do they have in common? The first one is faith. It says, the prophet said to Israel, God says, go and dig some holes. You will not see wind and you will not see rain, but they will somehow fill up. Really? Did they go and dig the holes? Yes, they did. I know human beings. In my short time on earth, I've noticed a couple of things. Some of them will be enthusiastic and dug big holes as big as they can. Some of them will just dig a hole because they had to dig a hole. Some of them just do it because the others dig it. You know what was interesting? When it rained at some other place and those holes started running full, it was according to your expectation. 
It was according to your expectation. The one that was enthusiastic would add the big, big one. He had more water. The other one a little bit less and the other one's like, damn, <laughs> I should have done it bigger. <laughs> but collectively, the Bible says, when you look at the second slide said, that collectively they had enough for all of them and their animals. But there was some faith that had to happen. I will do it, even though I'm going to look stupid. I will do it. See, the father that waited for his son had faith as well because he fattened up a calf. One day he will be back. I will start feeding this calf. I will keep it fat because my son will be back. The Bible says he sat there day after day after day waiting for his son. Third story. I don't know who had more faith, the servants that filled the, 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 the stone jars or the mother of Jesus. I spoke to Tunet and she gave me the best answer. I looked in commentaries and they couldn't even give me this answer. It's like, why would his mum believe, have faith that he could do something if she hadn't seen him doing a miracle yet? Because the Bible says this was his first. Why would she have so much faith believing that he would be able to do a miracle and that it can happen today? And she looked at me and she said, it's easy. Remember, she got pregnant and she knew it was not Joseph. If she could become pregnant by the Spirit of God, she knew there was something special about her son because he's the Messiah. The angel told her there's something special about him. He's a plan of God. She knew what happened with her. So there's nothing to make water into wine. But man, she was persistent. <laughs> and something about that broke into the spirit realm. And God allowed it to happen even though he did not plan it yet. Second one, timing. Timing. I believe this is where we sometimes miss it. Or we don't receive or experience the fullness of it because our timing is off. The prophet said to, to Israel, go and dig some holes in the river. What if they decided, nah, we'll do it tomorrow? They would have missed it. The water would have come and rushed by and they would have lost the water. So there's timing. What if the dad decided not to sit on the stoop and wait like it did the day before? That day, he would have missed it. What if Jesus' mother never listened to him or did listen to him? It's not, his, it's not his time yet. Okay, I know. Went to sit down. Let's have water. There's timing involved. Remember when the manna came, God specifically said, you eat it that day you pick it up. You finish it. The only time that they were allowed to leave it over was on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath. The rest of the time, they had to eat it and not to leave anything over for the next day and they had to do the same the next day. What is it... The faith one is always easier in terms of the re-entry. What is it that we want to re-entry? Faith for the year coming. Faith for 2020. Faith for whatever you want to re-enter. But the timing is the difficult one. The timing is, what is God saying now? What must I do? When must I do it? Because if I dig those holes too late, then I might have missed half of the water. Or might have missed all of them. I don't know if this will help something practical. Sometimes God stirs something in your heart with something totally different. Have you noticed that we've got more maroon chairs here today? Have you? Oh. <laughs> On Friday, I drove to church, and make the story short, drove to church, passed by Sniffles, and there's three black chairs like these ones. Parked outside with other chairs, and I thought, man, that looks like our chairs at church. I must go and buy those three chairs. 
It went through my mind. And then I came to the office and was like, okay, I must make time today to go and buy those three chairs. But I had to buy cups and coffee and what, 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 and I was up and down, up and down. And eventually, at the stage when I came to sit down at the office, the guy from the wood place walked in and said to me, do you want to buy chairs? I was like, really? <laughs> How is that possible? He's like, do you want to buy chairs? He said, yeah, please show me the chairs. He took me to his bucket and it was exactly the same ones we had. Exactly the same ones. He said, okay, how many do you have? 35. He said, I'll take them all. And I believe there's a specific reason why it happened. I believe there's a specific reason why God showed me the three plastic ones first. And that I, I, that I had it on my heart and my mind to buy chairs. So that when he comes, that I would not miss the opportunity. And, and I believe that we sometimes miss the subtle voices, the subtle things happening. Because I'm honest. Any other day, I would have told him, listen, we've got chairs. We've got chairs. But because of what happened the morning, I knew I have to do this. Timing. Okay. Second last one. Collective effort. Do you notice with the water, the prophet said, to the soldiers of Israel, go and do it. They all had to do it. When it came to, to the, 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 the miracle of the turning water into wine, servants, plural, had to do it. Collect. If you notice with the, with the story of the, the, the loving dad, good dad, same. The whole family was involved. Him, his son, the other son, and the servants, because they had to dress him. There's a collective effort, and, and what is a collective effort that we need to do to re-enter into what we want to enter into? What is it that your household wants to enter into? Because that's a collective effort to enter into it together. What is a collective effort of rain to enter into 2020? Do so you understand what I'm saying about the collective effort? It's more than just one peanut in a bucket. It is all those who are involved in this issue working together to get there. The preparation. The first story was that they had to dig holes to prepare for what is to come. The story of the wine was they had to prepare. They had to fill up the jars. Something had to be done so that the miracle can happen. And then the one with the awesome dad was, he did something as well. He fattened that calf. That story would not have been the same without the calf, if you notice. Because the older son was jealous because of the calf. You fattened that calf and you gave it to him. He doesn't deserve it. I was here the whole time. He never even gave me a, a goat. But the dad fattened up that calf because his son is going to be back. What is it that we need to do to be able to re-enter into 2020? What is it that you need to do to re-enter into what you need to re-enter into? And this, and, and this makes it a time where we need to sit before God and say, Lord, here I am. I don't want to miss your time. I know it's, not, it's more than just me. And I know I need to prepare something. And I know the timing is crucial. So please prepare me to re-enter into just thinking now of the, of, the, of the lady that came to, to Elijah and said to him that, that my sons, the, the, the guys that are going to sell them, I hear my husband passed away and, 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 and they're going to take my sons and sell them as, as slaves unless you do something. Remember what he said to her? Go and borrow anything hollow from your neighbors. And then he says, and make sure it's not a few. And then when they came back with all these vessels, he says to her, okay, now you're going to, into the room with your sons, close the door behind you, 
and fill those jars. And the Bible says that when she asks her son for the last one, and, they fill, and he says that there's nothing more, the oil stopped. See, the preparation they did was according to their faith, the prep, or according to uh, God provided according to their preparation. The water was God prepared or, or supplied according to their preparation. The, the jars that was there was according to the liters of wine. And the story of the good ad was, according, was not complete if it wasn't for the preparation of the cough. Our preparation will determine the blessing. I believe it. I believe it. How prepared are we for 2020? And the last one, this is a quick one. When I ask my wife as well, what do you think of re-entry? What do you see? She says to me, a spaceship re-entering the surface of the atmosphere. Do you know when it's... I don't know this because I know it. I, it's because I've watched movies. Okay, so it's second-hand knowledge. Have you seen in the movies that when a spaceship enters into the, the atmosphere, there's vibration, shaking, there's heat, there's danger? And I think this is what, what we maybe feel in terms of 2020. It's like, yes, the re-entry might not be smooth, but we're going to re-enter because the reward is great. If somebody walk in here, they might shake, might be scared. It's always difficult to walk into a foreign place with foreign people you don't know and go and sit in a place you don't know. You don't know how they're going to react, if they're going to judge you. Is my hair okay? Am I dressed okay? How do they drink their coffee? Am I allowed to drink coffee? Are so many things going through your mind? And you go and sit here and the re-entry might not be smooth, but that's where you and I come in and where we can go and say, listen, how can I serve you? Can I organize you a cup of coffee? I promise you, if you go to Wally and ask him to make that person a cup of coffee or a cup of tea, he will. If you can do it, make, bring that person a cup of coffee or a cup of tea. Make that person feel welcome. Rip out the cup. I want to help you to make your re-entry smooth. What is it that scares you to re-enter into whatever you need to do? What is it that brings friction? What is it that brings the vibration? What is it that's pushed the anxiety levels? And I want to take you back to faith, timing, preparation. What was the f collectiveness not to do it alone? Does that make sense? And may you enter into that place. And may we enter into, re-enter into what is in God's heart, collectively. Father, I thank you that we can be together today as a family. Father, I thank you that we can confess that you are our dad and that we know that you love us and that you care for us. Jesus, I want to thank you that you died for us on the cross and that you paid the price so that we can be free before our dad. Father, your scripture says that we can come with boldness before you today because you've, created, you've made us perfect before you. And Father, even if we see ourselves as imperfect, as Frisbee and as Luther was, you see us as perfect, Father. And Father, I thank you for that. Father, I pray that we will be instruments in your hands so that people can re-enter into your kingdom this year coming and that they can experience this feeling of being perfect. That they can experience this feeling of, of being washed by the blood of Jesus and, and that we are clean before you. And I thank you for that. Father, I pray that each one of us, that you will prepare us in our hearts, in our minds, in our spirits for what is to come. Father, I pray that you will open up the spirit world to us 
I speak dreams and visions into people's lives. Father, I pray that people will start dreaming at night when they're asleep and that they will see visions while they're awake. And I thank you for that. Father, I pray that you will guide us, that you will, that you will lead us this year coming as you did this year. And I thank you for that, my Father God. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen.